that a day holds. And so today we are looking at how to wake up. But to give you a little vision, in the future we're going to be looking at how to mess up, how to confess, how to pay up, how to spend money as a Christian, and then how to show up, how to share the gospel. But today we're looking at how to wake up, how to read the Bible. And we are going to do uh, just that today by the first 15 minutes, and this will be typical. The first 15 minutes, I'm going to talk to you about the necessity, the importance of reading your Bible and actually how to do it. And then for our last 15 minutes, we're going to actually do it together. We're going to read our Bibles together, and I have some activities for you to choose from. But to start off, I'm going to have you guys grab your Bibles if you have your Bibles with you. And if you don't, we'll have some people passing out these blue Bibles. We have these blue Bibles in McPherson as a helpful tool in case you forget your Bible at home. And so Brody will be passing some of those out. Um, We'll have some people pass those out to grab those Bibles. And if you have your Bible with you, we are going to flip to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew is one of the Gospels meaning it's one of the stories about Jesus. So it's about a third of the way through the Bible. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. It's before Mark, Luke, and John. And it's after some of those short books of the Bible, like Zechariah. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. All right, when you are at Matthew chapter 4, would you guys look up? So you are telling me that you have Matthew chapter 4 in front of you. And one thing I'll ask you guys to do is if you have your phones, I'm going to have you guys place your phones just right at your feet, maybe upside down at your feet, just so that you are not tempted by it. Those things are so tempting. I know it. If it's sitting right next to me, I'm going to want to open it, just make sure no one's texted me. So you're going to put it upside down at your feet And if you need to text someone, if it's so necessary, you guys are welcome to go to our alley and send a little text, no problemo, maybe make a phone call or send a Snapchat if you have to. Some of you seem to have to send Snapchats during HSM, so take the alley. It's totally fine, a place to take your Snapchats. Come on back in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and I'm going to read it for us. This is... uh, This is a story about how Jesus was tempted right before he went into ministry, right before he went into his public ministry where he's healing people and he's telling people about who God is and the kingdom that's coming. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days to spend time alone with God and and the devil tempts Jesus in that time. And this is the first temptation, the first thing that comes up against Jesus when he is out there for 40 days. It says this in verse 1 through 4, chapter 4 in Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I hope he was. That's a long time to go without food. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The first temptation, the first thing that the devil 
puts in front of Jesus as a temptation is something that's physical, something that actually does physically sustain him, something that truly his body needs, which is bread and food. It is absolutely essential, it is necessary for us to have food in our bodies in order to fuel them. We would die from starvation if we did not eat. And so the the devil says, this is something that you need. This is something that's going to sustain you. If you're really Jesus, if you're really the son of God, if you're who you say you are, then turn these stones into loaves of bread. Surely you can do that. And Jesus says this, which is super crazy. He says, it's not just bread that we are sustained by. It is by the word of God that is actually going to sustain us for all of eternity. And really what Jesus is saying here is that it is more than essential. It is more than necessary, not just for us to eat, but actually for us to be sustained by the word of God. It is essential for survival and not just survival in this life, but, it, but life with God in all of eternity. The word of God is necessary for our eternity. And so it makes me ask the question, okay, so if the word of God is so necessary, then what exactly is the word of God? And I'm going to have us flip to John chapter 1, verse 14. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes. John chapter 1. I'm going to, this is our second passage. There's going to be a third passage. And so just know that we will flip our Bibles one more time. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, and the word, now I'll just pause there, the word. I'm asking this question. What is the word? What is the word of God? Is it just scripture right in front of me or is it also something else? It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so the word of God, which many of you know, that's the description for the Bible that we have right here. From Genesis to Revelation, the inspired word of God that is living and active, breathing, has impact, can transform our hearts. That is what this is, the word. But also, I don't want us to pass up the opportunity to highlight the fact that the word also became flesh. Meaning that wherever in scripture we're reading the word, especially in the New Testament, it's also referring to the presence of Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is referring to Jesus Christ, who God sent as his only son to dwell among us, to live a perfect life, and then to die for our sins, take on the punishment of sin, which is death, conquer the punishment itself, and raise to new life, and then ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And so, because of that, it is not just the word that is important, but also our relationship with Christ. And so when we're looking at reading scripture, I want to make sure that you are part of the equation too. God has a lot to say to you. No one has ever written me a letter this long. 
People have written me lots of notes, but even all of them combined do not amount to this. Maybe by the end of my 95-year-old life, they would amount to this much, but certainly not at this point in my life do I have a letter this long. God has spoken to you. If you've ever wondered, what does God's voice sound like? What has he said to me? It is right in your hands. He has spoken. It is living and active, meaning it means something for you right now. But also, if the word became flesh, there is this invitation to relationship, which means you can talk back to God. When you're reading scripture, something might stir in you. It might be some sort of conviction or maybe a sense of love. Maybe you feel peace. Maybe you feel uncertainty or confusion. All of those things are things God might be speaking to you, and we have the opportunity to speak back to him, and we do that through prayer. Sometimes that's written prayer. It's almost like a note back to God, but sometimes it's just in your mind or even out loud. If you drive, if you're in your car, you can pray out loud. No one will hear you. But we have this opportunity to speak back to God. So this letter isn't just something sent to you. It is something to also respond to. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was flipping through my Bible. I keep a lot of things in my Bible. That's um, a pro and a con, because if I lose it, I cry, And because uh, I have a lot of important things. Tony has seen me cry probably two or three times, because I lost my Bible temporarily. And, but I have a lot of things that I keep in my Bible, and one of them is a letter that I got from a friend. So I thought I'd read this letter for you. And this letter has great impact on me, but I, uh, I want to break down the analogy before I even give it. Uh, this analogy is, I'm going to read this letter for you, and you have no context about who this person is, um, and you have no history. You don't know who this person is or where they've been. Um, you don't really know much about my life at this point in time. Uh, and so this letter, as you're hearing it, honestly is going to mean very little to you. And that's a little bit like how we read scripture if we don't know much about what's going on, or maybe if you don't know that this letter, this scripture, is actually written to you. And so I'm going to read this letter as if you're, like, in a sense, it's like if you were to read scripture with no context, it's going to have no impact on you. She says this, Phoebes, all caps, wow, I can't believe this is happening. If, it's, if it feels surreal for me, it must be out of this world surreal for you. At this point, you're like, what is she talking about, Right. But we're sti- we still got Nira's, so that's not goodbye. Also, like, we'll never be able to keep us apart, so joke's on you. Phoebe and Jane will be together forever. You are one of the most valuable things GA has given me and the most wonderful, enlightened person in my life. You can be crazy hilarious, and you are so grounded. You know yourself, something almost unheard of in high school. So you start picking up the pieces, right? You're like, okay, he must be in high school. Uh, and you constantly give yourself to others in a selfless way that I can only dream of emulating. You make me feel at home whenever we are together. GA, Jacksonville, Sarasota, and that means the world to me. You are so special, and I hope you know that. Your soul is beautiful. Ah, I could go on, but I won't have to because we will keep in touch. I hope that one day we can sing and play guitar together. That would make my life complete. One last thing, I've lost touch with my spirituality, but you have inspired me to get back to faith again. I will keep you updated on that while you're gone on your amazing future. I love you, Janie. It's the first time I've gotten through that letter without crying, 
which none of you, all of you are reading that, hearing that, and thinking, what's to cry about that? But for me, uh, what you don't know is that Jane was a really important person in my life, a couple years younger than me, and Jane uh, had the world at her fingertips, loved life, she was joyful, but I didn't know where she stood in her faith. Jane last year, just under a year ago, died, and I still don't know if she is in heaven or in hell. And that, to me, is a very difficult thing to sit with. And so now that you have some context as to who Jane is, that letter means something different, right? As you approach scripture, if you don't know the context of who God is, it's going to land on flat ears, right? Some of you wrestle with that, that I don't know much about scripture, and so when I read it, it doesn't really mean much. Others of you don't know that this letter is for you. Now, for me, reading this letter, it's for me. So this has a a certain impact on me, but for you, you're just listening in on it. It doesn't really have impact on you, right? Well, with scripture, if you don't know that this letter is for you, you're just kind of listening in on it, and it doesn't really have much transforming power to it because you're kind of just sitting with it, and you're not actually receiving it as a letter for you. Some of you don't know that you can actually respond to this letter. Man, if Jane were alive, what would I tell her now? The reality is, is when you read scripture, you can respond. You can ask questions. You can fight back or say, I don't understand this. You can respond to God. He is living and active. And also, you know, what's funny is that when I, when, when Jane passed away, I knew she wrote me a letter but I, I couldn't remember what it said because it was six years earlier that she wrote it. And I knew she had written me a letter. I just couldn't remember. And so I went home to Nashville and I, uh, where my parents lived, and I found this letter. And I was like, thank goodness. And as I was reading it, I was struck. I was like, man, this hits different right now when I, when I don't know where she is and she's already died. Right? Maybe you've, you know about this letter. You know about scripture, but you've forgotten what it said because you don't read it. And so maybe you just need to return to it and sit with it because you've forgotten the truth, the promises that are in it. This is a letter that has been given to you, and there's context to it. And some of you are sitting here and you're saying, there's there's something that I lack. And so what we're going to do here is I'm going to send you to one of these four corners here. You're going to move towards the corner that you feel like you are lacking in, and I'm going to describe it this way. The first one Maybe you've forgotten what God has said, right? My experience with Jane's letter, I knew she'd written me a letter, but I forgot what she said. I don't remember what she said in her letter. And you just need to get back to the letter, and you need to read it. Maybe you know that there's scripture right here, and you know the truth is about God, but you've kind of forgotten how he said it. This is going to be a practice that I'm calling drop by drop. This is something where you're going to just take scripture drop by drop. You're going to trust that scripture is going to take a hold of your heart and etch away at it just drop by drop. Okay? And so this is going to be a practice that we're going to take you through typically one to ten verses in the letters of the New Testament. I'm going to point you towards Romans when you do that. That's going to be over in this corner drop by drop if you've just, if you've forgotten what God has said. The next one is going to be something that I call drinking from the fire hose. Maybe you're someone who you're like, I need context. Like reading that letter from Jane, there's nothing significant about it. If you don't know the history of who she is and where she's at now, 
Similarly, maybe you're like, I don't know what scripture is all about. I read a, a random verse in Romans, and that's not doing much because I don't know the story of scripture. And you need context. And so I'm going to point you to this direction. And this is drinking from a fire hose, which means you're just going to be taking a lot in at once. So you're going to actually read as much scripture as you can at one time. And so you're going to be reading chapters at a time with the 10 to 12 minutes that we have. So drop by drop is a, only one to 10 verses. You're going to sit with it. Firehouse is going to be something that you're going to actually read as much as you can to get as much context as you can. And that is going to be in the Old Testament, starting with Exodus. The next one, maybe you don't know how to respond to God. You're sitting here and you're like, I, I've read scripture before, but I've never actually responded to God through scripture. And so this is going to be praying through the Psalms. You're going to take one Psalm at a time, go verse by verse. And no matter what comes up in your mind and your heart as you read the first verse in the first Psalm, you're just going to pray that out to the Lord in your own mind. And so that's going to be taking you through the Psalms, praying through the Psalms if you're like, I don't know how I'm allowed to respond to God. And then the final one is if you're sitting here and you actually are like, I don't know if this letter is for me. I don't know if this letter has been written for me. I know it's been written for people or just maybe in general, but I'm not convinced it's really written for me. This is going to be a practice called Lectio Divina, and it's going to be a practice where you are going to sit with a shorter passage of Scripture in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, and you're going to read it, you're going to meditate on it, and you're going to to pray, and then you're going to contemplate with God, and that's going to show you how to do that through the Gospels. And this is hopefully just going to kickstart your Bible reading. If you're already reading something like one of these corners, move in those directions so that you can continue in your Bible reading. There's no reason for you to do 10 different things every morning in Bible reading. But if you're not reading scripture, may this be the first day of many days in your future where you get to engage in scripture. And this is a season where you're moving towards one of these corners because of what you need in a month maybe three months, maybe three years, you're going to move on to a different type of scripture reading because you're going to have a different need. But right now what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to have you choose a corner. So once again, this first corner, drop by drop, you've forgotten what he said. This next corner, drinking from the fire hose, you're drinking a lot, need context. You need context of who God is. This corner in the back, praying the Psalms, you're asking, how do I even respond to God in light of his scripture, in light of his letter to me? And then the final corner is Lectio Divina. If you are wanting to grow deeper in your knowledge, this letter is for you. So I'm going to have you stand up. You're going to grab one of those pieces of paper, and you're going to find a spot in here apart from people to start reading scripture for about 10 minutes.